let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money moves. You can't see me, my time is now. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the Massive Joe's Show podcast. My name's Joseph Mansell. I am your host. I'm joined by my sidekick, Massive Joe's general manager, Steve Mills, aka Big Neve. Not a sidekick, mate. No, you are, man. What would you like? What would you like? See how I don't use the word mate? Yeah. See how I said, I'm not your sidekick, mate? It's because I didn't like him then. <laughs> 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 what would you like me to call you? Because I've been introducing you. I was, you know, uh, you're Robin. I'm Batman. I don't know how it's socially acceptable, but I've been. We were talking to Seth about how we use yeah. the. We block it out. We use the word "cunt" for friends. Yeah. Oh, we don't. Have and to we block call people. And we call people "mate" yeah. who we don't like. So that's why you <laughs> the word "mate" because I fucking yeah. wanted to kill him just then for calling yeah. me a psychic. <laughs> I, I could say apprentice. Okay. <laughs> These are things I kind of can take home, but not. Yeah. Partner in crime. I can't no, say cunt back home now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Episode 13 of the Massive Joe Show. Big names. Did you know 13 is my lucky number? It is. And it's feeling particularly lucky because we have a treat for you guys in this episode 13. A very special guest here at Massive Joe's headquarters in the ADL. And it is, of course... The one, the only hardworking motherfucker, Seth Ferrosi. What's happening? How are you, man? I'm loving life, man. It's I really can cool. tell. I'm I having tell. a ball here. I feel like I belong here. <laughs> like Absolutely. this is this is this is. Uh, I didn't know what to experience when I came here. I didn't know what to expect, but yep. now I uh, I feel very welcomed. A little bit of uh, context for the for the listeners or the viewers, depending on whether you're listening or watching. So Seth uh, has come down for the first time to Australia and was at the Massive Joe's Mega Booth over the Arnold Classic Australia weekend. Uh-huh. And then because, you know, you traveled so far to get here and, you know, it's not a short flight from no. from uh, the US to get here. Well, from Pittsburgh is where you're from. So they're pretty much the east coast of the US, east side of the US, uh, has been uh, traveling around and, and doing events and seminars and workouts and effectively touring yeah. uh, for the last couple of days and is here in Adelaide at Massive Joe's headquarters for the final event of the tour, which is going down uh, a little after we finish recording this podcast, as a matter of fact. But Seth, welcome to the Massive Joe Show podcast. Uh, we have every single time we release a podcast, we get a bunch of new listeners, new viewers coming in. So for those of you, if this is your first time tuning into the Massive Joe Show, Fitness Times Business is kind of our our thing. So usually what we do is we take a topic and we discuss it in the realm of fitness, and then we take that same topic and we discuss it in the realm of business. But when we have special guests come in on the podcast, like we have Seth in this episode 13, uh, we like to make sure that those special guests are able to kind of touch on a little bit of fitness, a little bit of business, have experience, have background in both. And Seth obviously ticks all those boxes. Yep. And then what we like to do is we kind of do an episode of, of getting to know the special guests. So that's what this episode is going to be. It's going to be getting to know Seth Ferrosi. For those of you who don't know, and for those of you who do know, you're about to delve a little bit deeper into the background of, uh, of this man right here. Damn so right. <laughs> Seth, man, Introduce yourself. If you if you had to, if you were meeting someone for the first time, because we're going to go balls deep <laughs> in the background, right? But if you had to meet someone for the first time, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, well, uh, give you a little intro, shock everybody here, uh, just to mess with everybody. Like yeah. whenever I get, when, uh, this happened probably like maybe like a year ago, people started to recognize, they knew me from YouTube videos, yep. but they'd be like, you're so familiar. 
how do I know you? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I do gay porn. <laughs> and they'd be like, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. And I'm like, yeah. I definitely like, oh, don't man. know you from that. <laughs> so I used to, it was a great icebreaker, but then I'd For wake real. up and I'd be like, oh, the YouTube. And they're like, oh, yeah, YouTube. But um, right now, uh, you know, I always introduce myself as your favorite IFBB pro. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, it was just something that I was just joking around with back home. And then it stuck in all the videos. Yeah. But uh, social media has changed everything. Mm-hmm. So I always introduce myself as a, an IFBB pro bodybuilder. And then mm-hmm. people are like, oh, okay. You know, like Arnold or like Jay Cutler or Ronnie Coleman, Dorian yeah. Yates, they'll remember those names. And then I'll be like, but with social media, I kind of became a social media sensation mm-hmm. in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. And then lead into that. But that's typically how I do it. And then they see the they see a shirt that says hardworking motherfucker and AAR shirt. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, what's that? Like, it looks intense. Yeah. And then I lead into that about the apparel brand and everything. Go so. from that. Yeah. So you are a, you are an IFBB pro bodybuilder Correct. and have been for the better part of a decade now, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and we'll get into, time, we'll yeah. get into how that all kind of came about, but just to kind of give a bit of context. So IFBB pro bodybuilder, you own your own apparel line, which is called All American Roughneck. Correct. You now own your own supplement line, which is called Axe and Sledge. Correct. You run uh, an incredibly popular YouTube channel with, I believe, over 300,000 subs. Yeah, we're like at 340 now. 300,000-plus plus subscribers on the way to a million, as we yeah, were discussing uh, before, the, before the podcast. <laughs> we can get that golden YouTube button. I won't. Um, and, yeah, social social media sensation, I think, is probably a pretty fitting, uh, fitting term. Yeah. So... Give us the background, man. Where did this Where did this all start? How did you get to all of those things I just listed? So it's a, I was the young kid that like had a dream. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, you know, my parents told me I could be anything I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I was 15, 16 years old, and I was like, I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. And of course, like you know, people tell you that's fucking stupid or it's not going to happen. This and that. But uh, I just wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. Jay Cutler was my idol. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be on stage, look huge. Uh, just because I used to be the fat kid growing up. Mm-hmm. So I got made fun of and all that happy shit. And uh, the lift and weights was like my escape. And it was my escape for pretty much anything in life. And uh, just gravitated towards the gym, bodybuilding. Went to a cool gym back home called York's Gym. And that's where I had good guys teach me how to lift weights, teach me how to eat and all that happy stuff. And then it just continued to compound over time, over time, over time. And uh, it was all I did. Lifting weights was my shit. Mm. And I always wanted to compete, but I was always really insecure with myself. And uh, so I finally, long story short with that, when I was 24 years old is whenever I was like, I got to compete. So from the time I was 16 (laughs) till 24, I just trained my... my balls off, dude. Yeah. That's all I did. And uh, I lived like a bodybuilder, everything, ate like a bodybuilder the whole nine. People would ask me if I compete. I'm like, no, no, no. And it was because I wanted to look perfect on stage, mm-hmm. which is next to impossible, as everyone knows. Like, you know, you're going to have flaws. And I was like, I don't want that because I was really insecure. Like, I still had that fat kid mentality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to go on stage and get made fun of. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at that point, that's whenever I was like, okay, 24 years old in 2000. Eight, I was like, I'm going to compete in 2009. 2009, I was like, I'm going to do the Northern Kentucky show. And then I'm going to do the Mr. Pittsburgh show, which is like the biggest amateur show in the United States because Jim Mannion, he runs the NPC and IFBB. He lives in Pittsburgh. So it's mm-hmm. a big show. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I wanted to do North Americans or Nationals where you turn pro. Everybody knows that's kind of a fucking long shot. <laughs> That Especially for in, in, in your first season of competing, right? New guy never competing. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. So, so I was like, okay. So I went and did the uh, Northern Kentucky. 
at the Northern Kentucky, I, uh, I won the heavyweight division. So I qualified for a national show, but there was like, I just was off. You know, it was my first show. I had a little bit of water, didn't know how to get rid of it, all that happy shit. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was going on to the Pittsburgh five weeks later. But before the Pittsburgh, there was a, uh, before the Pittsburgh, there was a show in Cleveland, Ohio, which is about three hours away from my hometown in Pittsburgh. And there I wanted to get in front of one of the judges that was going to be at the Pittsburgh show. Well, the uh, Muscular Development Magazine was there taking pictures. And I was like, okay, like I want to get on stage and pose. So I got on stage and I was posing and people were like, who the fuck are you? Mm. I'm like, I'm Seth, nice to meet you. How you doing? They're like, where'd you come from? But that photographer for Muscular Development was snapping pictures of me. And he was snapping pictures of me, and he sent it out to, like, Steve Blackman for Muscular Development, sent it out to Honey Rambaugh, George Fair, like, all these big-time people in the industry and said, look at this kid that just showed up in Cleveland. Mm. And uh, I was like, great, you know, but then a week later, I got a phone call and was like, hey, Honey Rambaud wants to work with you. I'm like, get the fuck mm. out of here. So we started working together right there before the Pittsburgh. Uh, we... Won the light heavyweight class in, in Pittsburgh, won the overall, won everything. And then I went on a roller coaster ride of let's try and turn pro in 2009. Mm -hmm. So that's whenever I uh, went to nationals that year and won the light heavyweight division and turned pro in eight months. <laughs> That's, so to, that's oh, unheard of. Fucking, <laughs> it doesn't happen. So no, I went no. in. Uh, so we went to nationals, and there's a, there's a fucking ridiculous amount of like mini stories and micro stories in there that just flipped and turned my stomach, and it was a wild ride, just like anybody goes through in competition. But yeah, from from March of 2009 to November of 2009, I went from my first show to turning pro. I mean, how. In that 10 years, how much has your physique changed in 10 years? Like, were you... Oh, massive. Massively? Yeah. I was, uh, when I was 20 years old, uh, that's whenever I was like 177 pounds. Mm. I was I was in really good shape. Abs looked like a fucking model, great jawline, everything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then that's whenever I uh, delved into the dark side of bodybuilding and started saying, I got to put on a physique. And that's whenever from the time I was 20 to 24, that's when everything really changed. And mm. I was like... I was like around 235 pounds, yeah. but it wasn't like I am right now. Yeah. It was much softer and yeah. we yeah. had to work down to get the light heavyweight, yeah. which was 197. Yep. Diced. So it was, uh, it was wild. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But along the way, you know, you know, I, I always wanted to be, you know, someone really special mm. and being the young guy I was like the, I was like the, the young white hype. Mm. You know, I was like the the young white kid, clean cut, look good. I'd have fit great in the physique back then. Yeah, <laughs> great jawline. But now, uh, like, and in along that time, I was like, oh, you know, everybody has their dreams, owning something, whether it be apparel or owning mm. a supplement company, mm. all that shit. You know, it costs a lot of money, but you really don't understand. And at that point, you know, bodybuilders are most mostly bo most bodybuilders are broke as shit. And I was broke at the time, you know, mm. just like anybody. I was 24 or 25 years old, mm. trying to make it in the industry. And I did, and I got sponsorships, started making great money, loving life. But you can get eaten up by the industry. Both. And, uh, and, you know, along the way, I disappeared in 2013. I had a, had a really great run. 2000, in 2010, after I turned pro, I went on to do the Dallas Europa show. And two, it was 202 at the time. And I won my pro debut there. So I was on, I did five shows, one, two, three, four. I did four shows, and in four shows, I won every single show I competed in. 
So I was starting to think I was pretty special, mm -hmm. you know, get tied up. Young kids starting to make, you know, I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. I was doing well for myself. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, I was making nothing, yeah. you know, comparatively. So, um, and then in 2011, took time off. 2012, because I wanted to go to the open class. So in 2012, I went and did, uh, I did the open class and I shit the bed. My body just completely went to shit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <sighs> So at that point, that's whenever I didn't handle things too well. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I lost. I was 26 years old, young kid, didn't know how to lose, barely knew how to win, because at that time I thought I was learning so much winning. And looking back, no, you learn shit when you lose. Yeah. And I acted like a child, so I started blaming other people. My home life was not doing really well. The industry was eating me up. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever I was like, oh shit, like, you know, I was like, I don't know if I like this anymore. But having sponsorships, they were like, hey, you need to compete in the 212s. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to, but I need to if I want to keep my contracts. Mm -hmm. So in 2012, I went to do the Sarasota show. That was the, I think it was called the, I don't know, the Golden Cup or some shit. Was in Sarasota, do a 212 show, and I worked my ass off. I did so much cardio, dieted, you name it, I was doing it. And then like a week out from the show, my body started like, failing. Mm -hmm. Like I was starting to look kind of funky. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why, you know, I was just doing everything. And at the time, Hani and I stopped working together because mm -hmm. I hated him after Toronto and blamed him for the whole fuck up. And then in, that's in Sarasota. That's whenever I was like, oh man, didn't look good. After that, I was like, I'm done. I hate this. Home life was a mess. My, my, my career wasn't going well. Three days after I lost a show in Sarasota and didn't do well, I got a letter in the mail saying that my contract was canceled for muscular development. I was like, okay. So I went from making all this money to not making all this money. Mm. You know, I had my mus muscle tech uh, contract at the time, but that was it. So uh, that's whenever I said, that's it. I'm fucking done. I'm going off. I don't want anything to do with bodybuilding. My home life was a mess. I wanted to go fix my home life. I wanted to get a regular job and I wanted to be normal. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be normal. And looking back at it, I, I'm not normal. <laughs> I'm a little exceptional. <laughs> so uh, that's whenever I went to, uh, I went back to Western PA I got a job. I, 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 start, I, I was working with my buddy building fences. I started doing a lot of landscape work, building walls, cutting grass, you name it. I, I had a family. Mm -hmm. you know, so I did anything to make ends meet and left bodybuilding in the dust. Mm -hmm. And then I started hating landscape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I didn't like want to go back to bodybuilding because I wasn't training much at the time either. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I said, I want to go back in the safety sciences. That's what I got a degree in. So I went to safety sciences. Uh, I got a job as a consultant. Then I started fucking hating that too. Mm -hmm. There was a void missing. It was bodybuilding. Yeah. I missed it. Missed it, missed it, missed it. I love this industry. It's the coolest fucking thing in the world to me, even though it ate me up once and shit on me and a lot of bad things happened. But I was like, I miss it and I love it. I want to go back into it. So then I was like, but if I go back into it, mm -hmm. I kind of got to do it on my terms. Mm -hmm. I want to do it on my terms. I want to do it my way. I don't want to be held back. I don't want to, because that's when social media had come alive. 2015 is when I started paying attention again. Sure. And, and fucking social media was rampant. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook was becoming obsolete, you know? I'm like, holy fuck, this is crazy. And then I was like, I'm going to come back. But if I come back, I want to come back as myself. Mm. I want to come back as, as me. I don't want to be told what to do. I want to do what I want to do. And I want to have something that fucking means something that has me attached to it. 
And at the time, I was a consultant, so I was working in the construction industry, oil and gas industry. I was working in, you know, manufacturing, and I was around all American roughnecks. I was around the hardworking blue-collar men of America. And I realized that all they wanted to do was be a good dude. They wanted to raise their family, have a nice house, have a nice car, take their family on vacations. All the typical shit that when I learned about the Australians here is the same thing. Very much so. Very basic, simple-minded, good motherfuckers. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, if I come back, I want to make that cool again. Because when I looked on Instagram, I didn't see that. Mm. I didn't see people being good people. I saw a lot of, a lot of fakeness. Yeah. Nobody was being themselves. It was almost like they put on the show, like I used to put on the show of being the clean cut white kid, mm. you know, of all this happy go lucky shit. Whenever I'm a foul mouthed son of a bitch, that's just, this is how, how I am. Mm. So I was like, if I come back, it's going to be my way. And that's whenever I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to have? And that's where AAR started. And that's I'll, really where the, 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 the business, business kicks yeah. in, right, is, is 2015. Because yeah. before that, it was... All fitness. It was all fitness. It was all bodybuilding. It was, you know, it, there was, was no it. business, really. No, I didn't know yeah. it. Yeah. I didn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever I was like, okay, if I come back, I got to start using my head. Yeah. Because if I come back into this industry that ate me up and spit me out, mm. like, like I was a piece of meat, mm. I was like, I got to become something that's a little above and beyond what mm. I was before. Mm. So I was like, okay, I knew about business. My dad owns a business. He's owned it for 41 or 42 years now. Yeah. So uh, I was like, okay, let's do t-shirts. But we have to, if you have a t-shirt, you got to have a meaning behind it. Got to have something behind it. And that's mm -hmm. where we have, you know, the all-American roughneck, that hardworking motherfucker, mm -hmm. the good dude that does good. He might've made some mistakes, but he corrects them. He understands them. He accepts them for what they are and becomes better. Mm -hmm. Works hard for his family. Honest man. That's what we wanted to making with a little bit of an edge, mm. you know, and, uh, I was like, okay. So I met Bob, my business partner. And I was like, I don't know anything about computers. I don't know anything about fucking websites. I don't know anything about it, but we'll figure it out. And mm. he did, he knew it all. So that's where he and I met and created this, started the animal. Mm. And, uh, and after that, uh, we came out in January 20th of 2016. I signed with Blackstone Labs. I was working with them. They were like, we love the video. We love the concept. We love it all. And along the way, uh, we'll just continue to do a little fast track through it. With them, uh, I separated with them because I felt like I wasn't working with them well. Like mm. my image didn't work well with their brand. Mm. Decent guys just wasn't working out, never treated me bad, never nothing. It was good. They always treated me incredibly well, but it was time for me to separate. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, at that time, I had the visions of owning my own supplement company one day, but you need a lot of fucking money to start those up. Mm -hmm. They just don't come out of thin air. Mm -hmm. And I was like, knowing that, I was like, okay, you know, I was doing well with AAR. Um, so we signed with Primeval Labs, but owning your own supplement company is a little bit of a fucking nightmare. You guys know. Mm. We know. It takes a lot of work. This ain't no bullshit. Yeah. Anything in business that it can become a wild animal, bro, you're going to do a lot of fucking work. Of course. And I was like, and uh, so that's where I came in and I said, uh, we worked with Primeval and it was going great. But after working with them for roughly a year, I was like, I think it's time for me to do my own thing. I think it's time because it's not that there was anything wrong with their products or anything wrong with them. I just wanted to make my own, I wanted, 
I called and I wanted to create my own penis showing game. <laughs> yeah. It's from a movie. I was mm. like, yeah, I wanted to make my own, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. I want to make my own money yeah. and I want to do things my way. And, uh, at that point we met Pat and Mike, who are the other owners of Axe and Sledge. So there's four owners to the company. Mm -hmm. Um, we all have our roles. Everybody told me don't go into fucking business with people. Don't ever have a partner. It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not that good at a couple things. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. really suck at those some, things. I got some gaps yeah. on each field. Yeah. Right? yeah, and I know, I know, and that's that part of business that's you know you got to be able to swallow that pill that you're like, you're either fucking good at this and not at that. Like mm. be good at everything. It's like it's very tough to do, and there's always going to be you're always going to need a support system. Mm. And we figured out that we all had significant roles, mm -hmm. so we stay in our lanes. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, I'm the face of the company. I'm the one that had the vision of all of this. I'm the one that had like how I wanted this to go. Mm. And whenever I met them and we discussed it, it was all like, oh, fuck. All of you, we're all on the same page. Like we all see this. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's when we decided that we were going to start Axe and Sledge Supplements. Mm -hmm. And we had a... Uh, we had the, the the vision of what I wanted to. We wanted to make something that was... Uh, above the bar of what most people do. Mm -hmm. We want to make quality products. Mm -hmm. We want to use top end ingredients. We wanted to take my personality of being the hardworking motherfucker and make sure that there weren't gaps in our products. We want to make sure that everything that we do, people see and they say, oh shit, this is a little bit different because everyone knows that it takes a lot of money to do mm -hmm. this. And Bob and I, with All American Roughneck and Meat and Pat and Mike, we're like, all right, gentlemen, we're either going to go balls deep with mm -hmm. this or we're not going to do it at all. Yeah. So all of us put it all on the fucking line. Mm -hmm. And if you put your dick on the chopping block, you're like, if it gets cut off, I guess at least we tried, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, and luckily it worked. Mm -hmm. And we hold ourselves to a very high standard. You know, and that's what's great about having a team like this because every single day we operate to our best abilities in our realm. Mm -hmm. And no one really deviates because you don't really know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have the vision, but when it comes to dealing with certain uh, situations or problems or issues, I might become a little bit of a dick mm. at a time when I should be really calm and mm -hmm. cool and collected. Mm -hmm. So that's why Pat and Mike are phenomenal with what they do. Mm. You know this. Definitely level you yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but it's so along the road, I mean, from beginning to end, I'll put it this way. If you would have told me five years ago, I'd be in Australia headlining this really cool, uh, this really cool experience and mm. this tour, I'd have been like, go fuck yourself. I got to go to work tomorrow morning. Yeah, like yeah. 4 a.m. comes around really soon, but no, here I am. So everybody listening and watching or whatever it has, they had a vision or, a, or, or think of something that they could do. Mm. Bro, no, it can happen. Mm. It mm. can. You just got to do a whole lot of work and you might lose some sleep and you might lose some friends and wife might fucking hate your guts for a little bit, but it'll all be worth it. <laughs> Man, there's so much to unpack here. So much. Oh, it was wild. It, so <laughs> so it, much. It was, it's, it's been a fucking ride that uh, is, is unexplainable. Yeah. The ups, the downs, the, the, like I said, all the little stories that are inter intertwined with all of it. Yeah. And somehow I come out like smelling like roses right now. Uh, no I know I got a little bit more yeah, shit yeah, that yeah. I got to get through. Of course. But like... Uh, it probably has you wondering like, what the fuck's next, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because even in that 20 minutes that we've just done this episode, you've already spoken about three topics that we've spoken about yeah. in podcasts in, in before yeah. that you wouldn't yeah. even know about. We've spent an hour and a half talking about and you've broken it down in 20 minutes. Yeah. 
But You've like, done a very good job yeah. just like giving us a, a, a very quick contiki tour yeah. of your life, but by like, the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but like but like the three things where you said about when you gone from your dad owning his business and then your landscaping business taught you a lot about business in the first place. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that, that uh, wouldn't realise is yeah, how difficult it is to start not just a business, but just start a, a, a supplement or, or an apparel business. I mean, yeah, if you you see that many IFBB pros that probably would start, but they've got no fucking clue because they've been spoon fed since they're eighteen, especially yeah. with this social media age, and Absolutely. they're not working hard. They haven't known how to run a business. They haven't known what it takes really. Oh yeah. I mean, there's that that there. Um, there's also the branding through Action Sledge, yeah. which we can jump into later on. Yeah. The branding yeah. of a yeah. business and how people say, "Oh, how do I start a business?" Well, it's, it's easy just to put fucking uh, lump, like letters on a t-shirt, but how do you actually fucking sell it? Yeah. And why do people want to buy all American Roughneck and access? So when you come here at Massive Joe's, and I'm sure you've seen everyone walking around here, is 75% of our employees are wearing your apparel. I know. <laughs> but, that, but that doesn't happen though. Like with other companies, I mean, you're, this is probably the only company by one, by one or two that I've seen where people actually want to wear your apparel. I mean, I, me and Joel wear it two or three days a week. Um, and then the other, the other thing um, that, that comes down to it is, is, yeah, focusing on your strengths and knowing what your strengths are and then yeah, not being afraid to ask for help. And that's what we've spoken about in a lot of podcasts before is it whether you double down your strengths, know when to ask for help, know what to focus on. So a lot of those, a lot of the cliche shit that you see mm. on Instagram from yeah. like entrepreneurs is yeah. real. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I know what I'm really good at and I know what I'm really bad at. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, if, uh, if I'm really good at something that I got to do it to the best of my abilities, like I always tell people, like I, it caught, it caught fire in a couple of videos was be the best motherfucker you can be. Mm. So that means that like, whenever you at, at, at every dimension of your life, whether you're a husband, you're, you're a husband, a father, an employee or employer, whenever you go from per place to place, don't half-ass any of them. Mm. If you fucking whole ass those motherfuckers and be the best that you can be at each one, you will have significance at each each one of those. And it's something that you, if a lot of people need to hear that over and over. And that's like doubling down on your strengths. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when I go be dad, I can't sit there on my phone and be dad and do all. No, no, no. The phone gets down. I got to spend time with the kids and be that because mm -hmm. they're going to remember that. So it's, uh, and it's, it just takes work. Mm. But, uh, but no, I think that, I think a lot of people also want to like get special really quick. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I, I was raised in a modest household. My dad does very well for himself, mm. but that son of a bitch has a lot of money and he still won't buy himself a new fucking truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's just an old Italian. Yeah. But we grew up in that environment. Mm. And when you grow up in that environment, materialistic things are incredibly nice to have, but you don't buy them unless you can afford them. Mm. And that means that everybody at your business is getting paid. Mm. If you're the employer, they eat, then you eat. Okay, that was like the first thing my dad taught me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, like if extra work needs done, Seth, you get to stay and do it with me. And I'm like, but like, what about they're leaving? Yeah, fucker, <laughs> we own the company. Mm -hmm. We do it. And I'm like, mm. okay, I get it. So those are the little things that I learned along the way. And do I like nice shit? Fucking right, man. Mm. But I think people forget that. And the second they get a little bit of taste of money, they go buy the things. Mm. And then it sinks their business because yeah. they don't have that mindset. See it all the time, man. Oh, all the time. You see it on a regular basis, and it's tempting. really fucking tempting. Yep. Oh, my God, is it tempting, especially yep. when you get extra money. And you're like, oh, I'd like to do this. And then you're like, wait, fuck. Yeah. It's been a quarter. i got to pay taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one, of, one of the things that I say all the time with regards to business is you pay yourself last. If you own the business, you get paid last. 
You know, you see the money first. Oh, man. But you are the last one to take it. And then with the accountability thing as well, you know, you're ultimately accountable for everything, yes. right? Even if, even if the black and white situation where you employ a staff member to do a particular job, and we see this all the mm. time, this is your job, this is what I'm paying you to do, and they don't do that job, and, you know, objectively they've made the mistakes – Ultimately, you're the person who has employed that person to do the job, go. right? So you're ultimately accountable for everything. People get the, the uh, responsibility and accountability mixed up. Yes. Mm. You're responsible Correct. for doing the job, but I'm accountable for you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Extreme yeah. accountability. Mm -hmm. And if they fuck, and if, then if they fuck up, have you done everything in your power to stop them from fucking up exactly. and provide them, yeah. provide them with the right support? Not oh, fuck up. Yeah. That's being a leader. Yeah. yeah. That's tough to do. Yeah. Because every now and then when you choke one of the motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but we, like, we have these, we, oh, seriously though, we have these discussions all the time, mm. don't we? Yeah. When, when, when we have a staff member who has, has made a mistake, you know, and sometimes it can be quite serious. The first thing we look at is, did we give them the tools to be able to succeed? Man. Or mm. did, or did we not? Yeah, that's did why we, I like you. Mm. That's it. Because well, <laughs> okay, so there's yeah. four owners to Axe and Sledge. Yeah. Bob and I have been doing AAR together mm -hmm. since day one, mm -hmm. and it's just been it's been three dickheads. Jay is he's the he's the phenomenal videographer and editor for us that yeah. makes all the cool videos. Yeah. So it's been us three. Yeah. We didn't pay ourselves for a long time. Mm -hmm. We took money when we need to, but we knew we had something when we started getting a response. Yeah. And uh, but it's been us. But Pat. In our in Axe and Sledge, Pat and Mike are the day to day, like the ins and outs. And Pat's, I call him the pappy of the group. He's a little mm. bit older than us, not much, but he's been through the shit. So whenever something goes wrong, he kind of pulls back the reins. Yeah. Says, okay, let's take a look at this from our perspective, mm -hmm. from where we sit, mm -hmm. make sure that we did all that we could. And then we obviously go about it in a non abrasive way. Yeah. Because that's the only way people learn. You can't just go freak out and scare the shit out of anybody. You got to make sure that they learn from it and then they continue to get better. Of course. Because that's what builds a team. Yep. And he does an exceptional job at that. And that's yeah. especially what you would have noticed in the past is you learn from your mistakes, not, not as you said before, you learn from your mistakes more than you do your wins. Oh. Just, what, just like you would have yeah. from your bodybuilding shows. If you had kept winning, you fucking really wouldn't have learned anything. Uh, Bro, it's the same I, same I, with business. If you with 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 landscaping is like, and I, I had my landscaping business for five years before I was here at Massive Joe's. And the thing is, I fucking hate it because there's nothing easy to do with landscaping. <laughs> nothing. But like, you think you don't have an easy day? There's nothing fucking goes ever goes right. Nope. Nothing goes right. There's nothing easy. You can't nothing. you can't hide in the shade because you're out in the sun. Whatever yep. you name it, there's nothing that goes right. But the thing is, <laughs> but that, but stuff like that then makes you appreciate business and, and being here in an air conditioned office and 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 everything. So. so that's funny you brought that up. There's a really good friend of mine. So uh, how I became this guy, uh, uh, there was a saying uh, that someone told me when I was young, pay attention in life. Mm. You want to make it in life, all you got to do is pay attention. You don't got to be the smartest guy. You don't got to be the most intelligent. You, gotta be, you don't got to be the best looking. Just pay attention. Mm. So I was like, okay. So over the years, I always remembered that saying. So over the years, I just paid attention. And I tried to pull the good shit from every person. Mm -hmm. So a guy, Jeff Galia, call him JG. He's as dumb as a fucking rock, dude. <laughs> like, I worked with him when he was 17. Everybody hated him. He was... He knows he's not a smart man, but yeah. that dude is the best motherfucker I've ever met. Mm. If you were naked walking down the street and needed clothes, he'd take off every bit of his clothes and mm. give them to you and be like, 
All right, I'll see you later. I'll just go walking down naked himself. You need those type of people. But the dude was just such a good guy. So whenever I stopped bodybuilding and I, I was working building fences, mm. he builds fences. He digs holes for a living. Mm. He knows he's not that smart, but he's really good at this. At, if, <laughs> I can't. I won't say what he usually says. <laughs> if it has tits or tires, he can ride it. You know, he's, a, he's a hell of a mechanic and he's a ladies man. That was his thing, you know. But uh, so I went and worked for him building fences. And like, dude, there were days whenever you're digging holes and there's no shade mm, mm. and it's rough digging in a hole, mm. you know, you're just like, holy fuck, dude, this is a rough day. Mm. You know, you know, it's going to be a long day, 14 hours out in the sun. And he'd be like, hey, dude, it's going to be all right. He's like, we're in it together. At least we're not in the trenches and got bullets whizzing past our heads in the desert. Mm. I'm like... Bro, this is one of the shittiest days of the fucking summer, <laughs> yeah. and you still got something positive to say. Yeah. So those times, like being with him through that, like that's what I pulled from him, mm. and that's why, like people, are like how are you so positive? I'm like, I'll never forget working with that motherfucker because yeah. he mm. still works in it every single day now. Has a beautiful home, a wonderful family. Just had his first kid. Like the dude is loving life, mm. and he's out digging holes every fucking day. Mm. He finds the good and good shit every day. Mm. Why shouldn't I? Mm. So like that's that's I, I think about those things and I p try and pull from everybody mm. and mm. I mean I if on a podcast if you ever win someone that'd be just <laughs> you never know what's coming out of his mouth that's the man dude <laughs> man I uh, I, I want to drew down on 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 uh, something that I've seen as kind of a common thread of your life uh, that's very unique to you is you've made some pretty big decisions at different points in your life, you know, athletically, personally, from a business perspective, the sorts of decisions that most people don't have the balls to make. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, you know, you were successful in bodybuilding and you decided to walk away from that. Uh, you haven't really spoken about your private life much, but I know that you, you know, you do speak oh, yeah. about it publicly. Cool. Um, you know, you, you were married at, yeah. at one point with, mm -hmm. with two children and mm -hmm. made a decision to move on from, from that relationship. You've mm -hmm. made, you know, you've had some pretty decent contracts with supplement companies and and uh, and publishing companies in in the supplement and fitness industry that you also have decided. You know, I'm not not real happy with these. I want to walk away and, and do something else. Oh yeah. What like what's inside of you that allows you to make <laughs> those decisions, man? Because a lot of people, you know, and we, and we we spoke about this a couple of days ago. A lot of people uh, are afraid of things that prevent them from making significant decisions or, oh, yeah. or, you know, taking massive action in their lives. One of them is self-doubt. The other one is the fear of failure. And the other one is the fear of other people's opinions. Yeah. So like how, what's inside of you that allows you to just like not give a fuck? Don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> scary. So that's the thing. But there must, there must be like, you know, uh, everything that you just mentioned, like all yeah. that stuff yeah. has brought me to this point in my life. Yeah. Like, bro, like I was telling everybody about, like I, there's a lot of micro stories mm. involved in those years. Mm. Uh, all those things that happened put me at this point. And right now my life is really fucking wild. Mm. It is awesome. Mm. Most incredible thing that anybody could live through. I'm very fortunate. I'm blessed. My kids are happy. They're healthy. I'm building a foundation for their financial freedom in the, in, in their future years to have opportunity. Like you can't ask them for much more than that. Mm. But meanwhile, like you said, I've had some, there's some big decisions I've made along the way. Huge. Bro, you got to have some fucking balls. I turned down a contract that, I mean, still to this day, I'm like, 
Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? And yep. it was because I wanted to build something of my own. Mm. So I don't think about like the here and now so much because I don't mind work. Mm -hmm. I don't have problems. Mm -hmm. I have no problems. I just have work in front of me. That's how I look at everything now. So if I just have work in front of me and I'm willing to outwork any motherfucker there is, I got no problems. And now I have a team of people mm. that are like-minded. Mm. Mm. It's pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the big decisions I've made, like, uh, you know, I had lucrative contracts. Uh, let's, we'll cut to the fucking, we'll cut right to it. Mm. Uh, my, my personal life is the big part of this. Mm. That's pretty much how I got to the point. I had some really ugly times. I'm no fucking angel. Mm -hmm. I'm a handful to live with. Mm -hmm. I just, I, th I think differently. I, uh, it took me a while to like actually accept the fact that I do think a little bit differently. Um, but I do. And I just, that's me. Mm. I would get a great career, make great money and then just say, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something I like because I'm not going to live with fucking regret. Mm -hmm. I won't do it. Mm. So in my personal life, I was with, uh, uh, my ex-wife, we had a kid in college. You have a kid in college? Hmm, boy, you got to grow the fuck up really quick. Yeah. And I partied a lot in college. I got a PhD in partying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> so I had to get my shit together, graduate a little bit early, go get a job. Yeah. Uh, but along the way, we, uh, you know, she was with me when I had no money. Mm -hmm. But throughout the years, uh, we didn't get along. We didn't have the best relationships. We always did everything we could to like make things work. Mm -hmm. And that's not any way you should live. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to make things work to live. And then whenever I started doing well, um, uh, we had our problems, you know, a little bit of, little bit of personal issues, all those things that, uh, get hairy whenever you've been together for seven years. Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, uh, as I started doing better for myself, uh, I feel like I was starting to get taken advantage of mm -hmm. all my kindness and kindness was looked at a weakness. And, uh, she, we, like I said, we partied a good bit and then she ended up having a little bit of a substance problem. Mm -hmm. And that little bit of a substance problem turned into a really big substance problem. And anybody that has ever been with somebody who has a substance problem knows that it's a big fucking problem. Mm. It's nothing. That's not a fucking joke. Mm. And uh, when it happened, she was tied up. She was into it. It was really fucking ugly. We had two kids, a wonderful life. Your kids are happy and healthy. If your fucking kids are happy and healthy, you should shut the fuck up and go to work. There's people out there that have their kids that have fucking diseases, die, a lot of fucking problems. I don't have fucking problems. I just got fucking work in front of me. Mm. So I felt I started to be taken advantage of. And at the time I was an enabler. I was trying to pretend that that problem didn't exist. Yep. And then when the problem was there, I said, I got to fix this fucking thing. And I was well, doing anything to fix it. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, at, at that point, right, you've got a lot to lose. Well, then that's whenever I, at, at that Don't point, you? I had all American Roughneck going. Yep. It was the first year. Yeah. We were doing every, I was doing everything I could to make sure things were good. Mm. I had a lot on the line. Mm. And your children as well, right? I had two you know? beautiful kids, two little uh, girls. Yeah. And at that time, uh, it started getting to the point that I couldn't control it. Mm. I, oh, rehabs classes, mm. anything. Mm. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And, and, and at the time that, and <laughs> or I could tell stories that turn your fucking stomach and they still turn mine to this day. Sure. But, uh, when it got really bad, uh, and it became a big issue in our house, mm -hmm. that's whenever I said I had to remove the problem. Mm -hmm. I have uh, full custody of my kids right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's 24, seven, 365. 
It was incredibly tough on them. I had a family. Mm. Bro, I grew up in the thing that all you wanted was a good family. Mm. My parents taught me, you know, you stick things out. You're together. Yep. You're a family. Yep. Family comes first. Uh, and mine was breaking. So mm. it's bro and and the the long and short of it, dude, the honest truth that I don't think I've said out loud yet in public, mm. bro, I broke. Mm. Bro, you want to know why I don't give a fuck? Because a lot of rumors were spread on how terrible of a person I was in my hometown. Mm. People looked at me different. People that said that I was the problem mm -hmm. because that's what was being said. I'm the issue. Mm. I'm no fucking saint, dude. But there's one thing I love, and that's my life, my kids, mm. my family. That was it. So whenever you wonder, like, why I have this little bit of an edge, because going through that and seeing seeing your kids cry and wonder and not have any clue what's going on and go through that and me sit there and say, holy fucking shit, mm. how am I going to make it? You don't sleep. You don't eat. But meanwhile, I'm in front of hundreds of thousands of people on the Internet, mm. and they are inspired every day because I do look for the positive every single fucking day of my life, mm. even through that. So whenever I sit here and you wonder, like, why I am this way and why nothing really frightens me, because I already went through the worst fucking thing in my life I could go through. The only thing fucking worse could be my kid's death. And I do whatever I could to make sure that wouldn't happen. And this right now, like that, that was, a, that was the worst fucking thing I ever went through. So if anybody thinks that they can break me because they call me a name, they fuck with me a little bit, <laughs> you ain't going to do it, dude. I already know what it feels like because I had my kids crying in my arms not knowing what the fuck was going on. Mm -hmm. That's not a feeling I want to go back to. Mm -hmm. So like now, whenever I have this wonderful life, I, uh, I have Hannah, you know, she, that's my fiance now. Mm -hmm. She lives with us. She's lived with us for like seven months now. She takes care of the kids every day. This woman came into our lives whenever it was really fucking ugly and changed and showed us love, mm. taught us how to be a family. You know, you get someone like that, you're like, holy fuck. This is someone who was an outsider, came in and changed our lives. Mm. Made me feel like I was doing a little bit better. You know, that I was a good dad because we were on our own, a single dad running yeah. the company for... Fuck, I don't know, what? A year and a half. Mm -hmm. So I'm running a company, trying to make everything good, single dad, not knowing if I'm ever going to meet somebody nice, mm -hmm. all that. So that's why, you know, how I got to this point and how I know uh, the good shit in life, because things were really bad. What, what, did, what, what did you use to get through that, though, Seth? Like, how do you, you know, because you do a very good job of, of, uh, of illustrating and explaining how bad it was. And, you know, that becomes the perspective upon which or the measuring stick upon which you measure everything else. But like, how do you get through that? Because there's a lot of people who wouldn't have been able to get through that no. or, you know, could have turned to substance abuse themselves or, you know, there's a, there's, there's multiple other options at that point. But how do you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I am, I am going to take positive action here and do what I need to do to get out of this situation that I'm in. Like, where? I had really good people in my life, yeah. but nobody really knows what kind of advice to give someone like that. No, of course not. That's why I'm asking. It's so, like, who in... No one's ever going to be in that exact situation, yeah. right? So, and there's no, there's no map, right? There's no 
plan of attack. There's no fucking, no. you know, manual about how to deal with this situation. So you know how I told you, like, I pull the good from every person I meet. Yeah. So, uh, and then there's that cliche saying that, like, everything happens for a reason. Mm. And I'm like, holy fuck. So, so far in my life leading up to that point, mm. I have been through a slew of shit. Wild. Brought a lot of stuff upon myself, but, like, everything led me to that point in my life. And I was mm. like... This is the hardest thing I've ever dealt with, and mm. it's breaking me, and I'm one hard motherfucker to break. Mm. Like, hard as a motherfucker, and I was breaking. Mm. So I realized that the severity of the situation, and I said, I can't fuck this up because I have two beautiful little girls mm -hmm. that are innocent, like they're kids. Mm -hmm. As a grown man, shut the fuck up. Go cry in the corner. Get the fuck out of my face. Mm -hmm. You're a grown man. Do grown man things. But little kids, it's different. So I said to myself, I have to be the best motherfucker I can be right now. Otherwise, the two, these two kids will not be okay. Mm. They need me to be both mom and dad right now. Mm -hmm. Because right now, someone in their life is having a serious problem and they can't, they can't no one can help them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, okay. So at that point, that's when I said, all right, no drugs or alcohol, mm -hmm. none. Don't do it because right now these feelings that you're having are just feelings. Mm. You have to feel every single thing that you go through right now. If you don't feel this, you'll never be able to look back upon it mm -hmm. and remember how fucking horrible it was. So if you mask it with drugs or alcohol, you're never going to remember it. So I recognize that. Mm -hmm. I said, I have to feel all this. Mm -hmm. So whenever I didn't sleep for fucking weeks on end and I'd sit there and just look at a blank TV... I was like, okay, I'm not going to forget this. Mm. I can't. Even though I was just emotional, an emotional fucking head case, I knew that every day I had to make sure that I woke up and I packed my kids' lunch. I kissed them on the forehead and they felt loved. Mm. No matter what, I had to make sure they were okay. So I was like, I got to be the best motherfucker I can be. Mm. So, like I said, I recognize that. And at that point I said, ah, as long as I continue to go through it and Bob played a big role, talked mm -hmm. to him every day in my life. Yeah. And he was just encouraging Yeah, because he's like, dude, I don't know what to tell you right now. He's like, just keep doing it. You're doing a good job, you know? And, uh, my kids also recognized it because we have a bond like no other, you know, it's just, uh, it's, I recognize the importance of it. Mm -hmm. And I recognize the significance of every single situation I'm in. That's why I don't take things for granted either. Mm. Like I, bro, like I said, I'm here in Australia. <laughs> like if you had told me that five years ago, I'd be like, no yeah, way. Yeah. I recognize the, the severity, the weight of every situation and me being a 34 year old man now that's been through all of these things. Mm. By the time I'm 40 or 45, oh man, mm. there's going to be a lot of good shit along the way. Most it's going to Yeah. And, and, and now in the position I'm in going through all these things and talking about them, this isn't something that's not normal. Yeah. Other people go through these things. Yeah. So if along the way I don't help people, inspire people to cease the good and so see the good in something, mm. why the fuck am I doing this? Because you can, you can make money. You can do all that wonderful stuff and get, get nice things, but I want to impact people. Mm. I want to change their life for the good. Not so I feel good about myself, but so that, the couple that's having a little bit of problems in their relationship mm. can listen to this and understand that they can work through it. Mm -hmm. The guys that having a problem, not seeing his kids very often because he's always working. It's mm -hmm. okay. 
That's normal. Just when you get them two hours with your fucking kids, dude, be the best motherfucker you can be. Mm -hmm. That's the impact I want to have because that's the real shit in life. Because I was in a really bad situation and I wasn't able to get advice. Yeah. So if I was in a situation I couldn't get advice, oh man, I want to be there so people can get kind of at least listen to this podcast, watch my videos, be able to pull something out of it that they can go home and fucking have a smile on their face mm-hmm. that their wife can see. And they'd be like, oh, you're in a good mood. Lightens their heart a little bit. Definitely. Makes a huge difference. It's one of those things where, you know, and, and I guess this is, this is why you're, you are so relatable is because you're willing to talk about these things openly. But, you know, I can see a lot of people listening to this, watching this right now in, you know, not, not the exact same situation, but like you said, similar situations who are going to pull from this. Well, you know, if Seth could do it, I can do it. I can do it. I'm right. Exactly. Yeah, man. It gets, it's, uh, like I said, I love, I love what I do. Yeah. And going through those things where I broke, that's whenever, that's where the fuck it came from. Mm. Because I was like, you know what, dude, you can't make me feel bad. I, 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 I know I'm a good dad. Mm. I know I'm a good person. I know I got a good heart. Mm. I was raised to be a good person, but don't take my kindness for a fucking weakness mm. because I have good people behind me. And uh, you don't ever want to be abrasive or mean about things. That's why I have other business partners. <laughs> 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 but it's like those things that like you make sure that you... Uh, Every single day I, I work to become a better person. Yeah. You know, it's something I don't take lightly and I don't think anybody should, mm. you know? And as for, I, that's why I just, that's why I just don't care what people say about me. Mm. I know I have a good heart. Everything I do, like the swearing and the intensity and the motherfucking, it's like this. I don't care about my kids. It's not like I, I, ugh, I love my kids. Mm-hmm. I love my wife. No motherfucker. I love my fucking kids. I'll do anything for them. I'll mm. die for them. Mm. I don't kind of, I, I, I like my business. It's nice. No motherfucker. <laughs> I love my business. This is my fucking shit. Mm. Don't fuck with it. Please don't mess with my business. Please don't, please leave him alone. No, you fuck with him. I'm coming after you. But those are the things and how I look at it. You got to be passionate. Yeah. You got to have some fucking heart yeah. in what you do because that's how real shit happens. That's where the good stuff comes from. That's how you go from being, like I was saying, like little Joe, to massive Joe. Yeah. Because you fucking love it. That's right. I heard that you're quite the fucking educational spirit. You're an engineer and a lawyer, but you run supplement stuffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Oh, man, dude. You gotta have some fucking love, dude. You don't just kind of like it. That's right. You don't like your company. You fucking love it. Yeah. You love it. And if you love something and you start to pay attention to everything in life, it becomes something incredible because mm. you don't just kind of like it. So you're not just going to let anybody be your GM. Mm. You're going to fucking specifically pick that person to do that job. Mm-hmm. That's like my business partners. I was very, I was very, de- I'm very decisive in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Not saying I ain't going to fuck up, but I'm very decisive. Mm. I pay attention. I think a lot about every move I make. And at the same time, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to be, I'm going to put a smile on my face. I, I, I can't look at, if I look at the negative shit or find negative shit every day, I'm fucked. You're fucked. Just go away. Mm. So I look at the good shit. I mean, 
fuck, I, I, it's really hard for me to have a bad day. Yeah. I wake up, I drink my coffee the way I do. I kiss my kids. I have a wonderful woman right by my side. Fuck do I got? I just got to work in front of me. Yeah. Fuck that. I can do that. The people that are going through rough times, mm. parents that have their dying a little bit younger than they should, kids that might have some problems, them are the people that I want to be able to uplift. The, the veterans uh, of, of the U.S. were big supporters with that, our community service, all the people, the first responders, mm -hmm. cops, the firemen, we support them. Why? Because they love what they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. So me being in this position that I'm in, that be able to do cool stuff. That's my next big step. The thing is, is especially, I just want to say, with you over the, over the weekend, the on weekend, even the come and train and meets we've had, the seminars we've had, is everyone's said how nice you are, how happy you are, how how just how you had time for everyone. Um, whereas, I mean, the amount of people we've seen, like IFBB pros, who just don't fucking want to be there. Yeah. Like, they hate it. And it just doesn't come along well. Whereas you've obviously embraced everything you are. You embrace, you love being there, love speaking to your fans. <laughs> which which shows and it, and it shows to everyone who who speaks to you. Absolutely, absolutely, bro. This is I'm. <laughs> bro, it goes back to fucking digging them holes. Yeah, yeah. It goes back to digging them holes, mm. bro. I'm here. I'm here, and we had a fucking crazy turnout here. Mm. I'm halfway around the motherfucking world, dude. Mm. Halfway around the world, and I'm still having people that are like so excited because they watch the videos and they feel the good shit. Mm. Bro, I'd be a fucking asshole if mm. I didn't love every single second. Mm. Every single second. Bro, the amount of people that you meet, like, bro, you can pull. I don't give a fuck if you're a gardener mm. or if you're the dude that's serving me a fucking burger. Mm. You got something to offer the world. Mm. You, got, you can have an impact on someone's life by just being the best motherfucker you can be at your job. Mm. If you don't recognize that, then you're an asshole. So like I said, I pay attention to every single person, me meeting you guys this week and everybody here. Don't think I haven't fucking paid attention to everybody. Mm. I'm going to pull the good shit because everybody, when I smile at somebody mm. and they smile back, they feel it. Mm -hmm. Bro, it makes a big difference. I'm excited. I genuinely fucking love my life. Mm. Fucking awesome. <laughs> you don't get much better, dude. <laughs> don't get much better. I don't see how it could. Yeah. You know, so if I, 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 bro, I might not be here tomorrow. Mm. I might get hit by a bus. I might, I might anything, dude. It's wild. If you don't look at things that way, you're mm. fucked. Yeah. Gotta love it, dude. Mm. You know, find good people. Be with other passionate people. Mm. Be with people that wake up and have that same feeling. And mm. when they're down, you pick them up. And whenever you're down, they'll pick you up. Mm. It is a wild, wild turn of events. Mm. But yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, fuck. I don't, I don't know why other people aren't, mm. maybe they're not, they're still a little insecure with themselves. I still have my insecurities, mm. but I look at it and I say, oh, I love my life. I really got good people, mm. people that love me, people that care about me. I can take it for granted. Mm. Seth, one of the things that there's no doubt that you're incredibly passionate about what you do, right? Oh, yeah. you, you, your, your family, your training, your businesses. Yep. I can feel that shit right coming coming through the coming through the speaker right now coming through the screen right now. One of the things that we're really big on, and you know, we we cover in a lot of content that we do, is encouraging people to pursue what they're passionate about, mm -hmm. and and being aware that there's like you mentioned, like there's a difference between liking something, mm -hmm. you know, liking the idea of something, and then being like fucking passionate about something. But a lot of people 
won't do it. No. You know, they'll kind of, they, they settle, you know, and that's one thing that I say a lot is people settle. They'll mm. settle for a relationship that they like, yep. but they're not really passionate about. They'll no. settle for a job that they like, it pays the bills, it's comfortable, but they're not really passionate about it. You know, they'll, they settle for shit. Yes. What do you use? What advice can you give to just go after what you're passionate about in all areas of life, you know, like so. it, because it, because it's a difficult thing for people because we're human, right? It's human oh. nature to do things that are comfortable oh, yeah. to not push outside your comfort zone because often pursuing something you're passionate about, whether it's your personal life, family life, uh, fitness life, business life, whatever the fuck it is, is going to cause you a fair bit of discomfort. I mean, it did for you in yeah. all areas of your life, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> which is, which is a deterrent from doing it which is why most of the time people do settle for shit. Mm -hmm. What advice can you give? What would you, you know, if someone's kind of on the fence, it's difficult. It is very difficult. It's It's very difficult. So the way I looked at it was why not me? Yeah. Cause I did settle Mm -hmm. and then it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. I was unhappy Mm -hmm. when I'm unhappy and I'm not even like old. Yeah. That sucks. That means I'm not going to be happy for a long time. So I said, why not me? Mm. It was kind of that thing I used a lot because remember how I said I pay attention about everybody mm-hmm. and you pay attention to people and what they feel, what they're feeling and what you feel from them on their bad days. And then you realize that they're kind of unhappy people deep down too. Mm-hmm. And then you live with, start becoming regret. And then I don't want to live with regret. Mm-hmm. So I remember how I said I didn't, I don't really care about materialistic things. Sure. I like them. Mm-hmm. I fucking love high-end steakhouses. That's my like favorite thing in the fucking yeah. world. Yeah. Spend all my money on food. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a really nice truck. I live in a very nice home. Yeah. Um, but I never did those things until I knew I could. Mm-hmm. And I could pay for it for a very long time if mm-hmm. something ever happened. Because mm-hmm. I have two, two children. Cool. So, like, all American Roughneck did make money. But I couldn't go and fucking spend it because it had to operate. Of course. So I think that that's a big, that's a scary part for everybody Mm. because it's like, everybody's like, uh, you know, they want more money, but they want to work less hours and they want to be with their family more. Mm. Mm. Excuse me. Mm. You want to work less and make more money Mm -hmm. and be able to do that. That sounds, that sounds really fucking nice. Can I have some of that too? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. So I knew that if I wanted something, I have to work. Yeah. And my dad told me that if you run your own company, you just have to figure out what 16 hours out of the day you feel like working, and that's what you work. Mm. I'm like, well, what about everything else, Dad? He's like, fuck everything else. You own a company. Mm. If you want it to be successful, you got to pour your heart and soul into it. So whenever it comes to people like they're on the fence about things, legitimately, mm-hmm you are already doubting yourself. You don't believe you can do it. Sure, that's a good thing. It means you're starting to get scared. Mm. Because if you're scared, that means you got feeling. Mm -hmm. So if you got feeling, that means that you can feel the good shit. So if you want to do it, that means that you're not, you can't quit your day job and go do your dream because then the bills don't get paid and you can't buy the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip and your lady don't want to have sex with you and your kids are mad, everything sucks. Mm -hmm. No, dude, now, you're going to keep your job, you're going to work your job, and you're going to pursue your dream on the side. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, I won't have time for that. Yep. Okay, dickhead. So now you're already finding excuses. Mm-hmm. 
fuck your excuses. Do the work. Because if you're younger, if you're younger than 40 years old, do that and work both things for as long as possible mm-hmm. and see what happens. And along the way, you're going to fucking hate yourself. You're going to doubt yourself. Everyone's going to get mad and bitch and complain and moan. But if it's working and making money, and then it continues to make more money, at some point, it's going to be 50-50. You're going to have a job Mm. that pays the bills, and then you're going to have your thing on the side that is now making just as much money, and you're at an equal playing field. You're right there. One has to leave now. Mm. You either stop your fucking side passion and then take your, your career to the next level where you're working for somebody or doing whatever you're doing, or you stop that and take your fucking passion to the next level. What's it going to be, dude? I'm, because along the way, you got to do both. Of course. Yeah. And you see what happens. And when you get there and you do it. And I think when you get to that point, it's a pretty easy decision. Oh, right. fuck yeah, it it's was. It's a pretty easy decision. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, I've been through that point as well myself. You know, at the time, I didn't have significant financial responsibilities of family and whatnot. But I, it, what you just explained was exactly, you know, you mentioned earlier on how I, I've got a, a lot of education behind me in pretty big professional careers that I chose not to pursue. Pretty good job. But I did, yeah. But I did work in them and the exact same thing pursued the passion on the side it got to the point where it was 50 50 and i still remember the the conversation i had with my dad about it you know what do i do here because i can't continue doing this it's at that point where you know do i go and pursue the passion or do i go and pursue the professional career that i invested fucking 10 years of my life studying to be able to do and it was a simple decision it really was you know what i'm saying But I think, you know, one of the reasons I've got this saying that uh, I hate it when people say I don't have time, Mm. when, when, when someone says I don't have time or I, you know, why didn't you do this? I didn't have time. I ran out of time. I fucking hate that. I say, don't say I don't have time. Say it's not a priority. Yeah. Don't say I didn't have time. Say it wasn't a priority and just, just let that, just let that sink in for a little bit. Oh yeah. Because it really will show you what's important to you. you but but how, how do you prioritize your training and your business ownership? Obviously, you've got, I mean, the difference between you, though, is you've got Seth, the IFBB Pro, and then Seth, the All-American Roughneck, and, and Axel Sledge. But I guess a lot of difference between a lot of people is if you were 160 pounds, skinny, white, no beard, it doesn't really fit that face of the company oh, wait, which you've got. You're not the all-American roughneck. So, I mean, you fit the image of of, of what you should look like, in, in, my, in my opinion. And probably yeah. everyone looks at it, you look like an all-American roughneck. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing is, though, how, how do you prioritize yourself personally between your training, um, your diet? Do you, do you put that in and include that as part of your job with yeah. Axe and Sledge? And so, okay, so whenever I was a safety consultant, mm. I was still in my relationship with my ex-wife. And uh, I started All-American Roughneck. Bob was four hours away from me living in Philadelphia. Mm. I lived near Pittsburgh. So he drove four hours every two weeks to come in, get pictures, do videos, all that. And then he'd go home because mm. he worked another job too. We knew it was a side hustle. Mm. But uh, I remember that like I would work all day as a safety consultant. I'd come home, eat dinner, spend time with the kids, take care of like paperwork with AAR that I had to, all the business end. And then I would go to my dad's upstairs in his 
in his uh, warehouse, mm -hmm. he had like a small gym. Mm -hmm. That's where I would train and then pack orders because he gave me a small room. And I'd do that at like 11 o'clock mm -hmm. at night. I'd start after the kids go to sleep and all that. And I'd stay there till like 2.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I'd have to wake up at 5, 5.30 to go back to my other job. Mm -hmm. I did that for about a year. Mm -hmm. I sleep a little bit more on the weekends, but I still always had an obligation. So I didn't fucking sleep, dude. Mm, mm. I just said, I'm going to do this. And a lot of it came from, you know, growing up with my dad, that mentality, yeah. and then bodybuilding. Mm. That that competitive edge, like that was my mentality. Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck it, I can do it. I didn't sleep much. Mm. Like, that's why I look old as fuck. It's not all the gear, it's stress. <laughs> that's what I think. It's like, stressing like, of it's like you're saying, is people say they don't have time for it. But the thing is, you you made it like a job at 11.30, I clock on to train. And that's the problem that a lot of people make is they, they don't have that. Like, even now, depending if it's not 11.30, it's, it's 12, like midday. I'm going to the gym from midday to 2 yeah. p.m. That's my gym. So, I'm, I'm clocking on at 12. That's my job. And a lot of people don't have that kind of mindset of of having to go train. They just say, I don't have time. Because oh yeah. So then after that, like I got to that 50, 50 point mm. and I was like, bro, going all in. Mm. I left a job where I was getting paid roughly $100,000 a year, company truck, company gas card, company everything, making six figures. I had a really good job. Comfortable. My fucking mom wanted to kill me. <laughs> she thought, I, she's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're, you're such a smart man, da, da, da. I'm like, I'm not happy. Yeah. I liked it. Mm. I didn't fucking love it. Mm. I liked it. And then I was like, okay. So when I did that, everything started to change. I had a little bit more freedom. Mm. I had more time. And then I take all that free time and the extra that I got, put it back into the company. That's mm. how it started to grow. And Axe and Sledge, there's four other people that are just as invested as I am. And they're like, you mm. need to do the best you can do what mm. you do. And I'm like, wow. And that's why all of a sudden everything has gone, mm. got to another level. Mm. And we're expecting to do that continually as often and as hard as we can go so that we not only hit the fitness industry, but we also hit people in the mainstream where they just like to be a hardworking motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Because we believe that we can touch people in, in mainstream America that they don't have to work out so much. They just got to have a good mindset. Mm. Every guy likes to be fit. Every guy wants to work out. The fitness industry has been booming and it's growing astronomically. So that's where people start to reach in. Even if you just run, if you're a marathon runner, mm. if you're a fucking cyclist, if you're a power lifter, if you're just some guy that goes to the gym three days a week, you're going to find out, you're going to find me at some mm. point and you're going to feel the good shit. That's mm. our goal with it all. And it's like, like you said, like making things a priority. Yeah, It's tough. It's scary as shit. I mean, people that want to do it, kid, go do it. If you're young, bro, go experience life. Go do shit because you don't have a kid. You don't have any fucking kids. Mm. You're not married. Go do shit. Because if you fucking fail, <laughs> bro, you're still 23, 24, mm. 25 years old. Yeah, exactly. Who gives a fuck? Mm. Yeah. I was 30 years old and I still had no clue what the fuck I wanted to do. Yeah. Mm. So those are the things that like, and, and, you know, driving force that motivates was my kids. Hmm. You know, whenever I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not too proud to go to fucking work outside and get dirty mm. yeah. and getting dirty goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Mm. Every single thing that I've done in my life has led me to this point. If I never would have dug those motherfucking holes, I never would have met Jeff. Mm. I never would have known what it likes to work outside and with someone who is in hundred degree heat, finding the good. Mm-hmm. 
I never would have led me to being a safety consultant in the oil and gas industry and in the construction industry, manufacturing, meeting all of these different men that were hardworking motherfuckers. Mm. They didn't give a fuck. They do the same job every day. They take pride in being a carpenter, but they go home to their family every single day. Mm. They make the money. They want to take their kids on the fucking vacation at Disneyland, and they don't give a fuck how much overtime they got to do. They just want to create that experience for the girls that they love at home. Mm. Whew, motherfucker, you got some powerful shit. Mm. So if I never would have fucking quit bodybuilding in 2013, went to dig fucking holes, do all this shit and go through all that, I wouldn't be this person. Mm. Oh, man, that starts getting me thinking. That's what so, keeps me up at night. So, so when you're starting, when you're starting all American Roughnecks and you're sitting there and thinking, did you guys have a business plan of this is what we want to do and this is the kind of people we want to target? I mean, when Joe and I sit down, we think of who is our target market, who is our target audience, like how are we going to get in front of them? How are we going to – did you think of that or did you think I'm going to want to create cool shit and hope people want to buy it? Because, I, uh, I mean, there's two, <laughs> there's two ways to do it. A little bit of both. Yeah, because, I mean, but the thing is, is, is you will see it because you've been to fucking a thousand expos and you saw it at the Australian Arnold's on the weekend, is there's 50 different apparel booths. Each one, I mean, you go, a t-shirt is a fucking t-shirt, except yours have different letters on it compared to my t-shirt. Yeah. But the thing is, why do people want yours? And I know why, I'm, obviously I know, because I'm from, I'm from the northern suburbs of Adelaide. Not one of my mates went to, went to uni. Everyone is a, is a carpenter, a bricky, um, installing solar panels, yep. electrician. Yep. I was a landscaper. Everyone, no, none of my mates have been to uni. <laughs> but the thing is, so, I mean, you're kind of the, the blue collar worker sits with me because that's all I know. My dad's been with, with the same business for 41 years at, at Coles Supermarkets, been there for 41 years. So, I mean, with me, it sits, and that's why I guess I can relate to your brand yep. and relate to what you stand for. Thing is, though, did you guys, when you're starting that, and we get a lot like how with branding and, and, and how to create a company and how to sell, because as I just said, it's very easy to create a T-shirt, but how the fuck do you sell it to somebody? Yeah. Did you guys have, have that in place of this is what we want to try and do or, or? so as a consultant and safety mm. uh i drove and one year mm. i'm doing miles i don't know kilometers don't get me too hard it's 1.6 kilometers I drove, we'll I drove, <laughs> thank you i drove sixty-four thousand miles one year as a mm. safety consultant yeah so i was on the fucking road every single day mm. and i just thought mm. i had time to think three hours to get to the job mm. four hours to get from this job to that job so I drove the whole time and I said, if, because this is whenever I was starting to want to come back. Mm. And the whole time I thought, like, I was like, I'm with fucking awesome people. Mm. I meet incredible people every single fucking job I go to. Mm. And there's one thing that stays pretty true. They all got families and mm. they all love the shit out of them. Mm. But I'm the same guy as them. I'm just safety guy. Mm. That hat, mm. this hat. I was like, whenever, because I love hats. Mm. I fucking, that's been my shit, been since I was a kid. Mm. I was like, I want to be able to go into a spot and buy a hat that means something. Mm. Not just has a logo from a company that makes hundreds of millions of dollars and gets it made in fucking Vietnam and don't give a fuck about me. Mm. I was like, I want something that means something, that has a little bit of weight behind it. And then I was like, man, if I created my own company, it's like, guess what I'd do? started thinking about it all. It's like, what would I call it? Mm. What would it look like? All this. And then I was like, okay. So during that drive time, I was like, man, these are 
These are fucking all-American badasses. I work with roughnecks on the oil rigs. I go to construction sites where these guys work 10 hours, 12 hours a day in the fucking sun, six days a week. I was like, they're all-American roughnecks. Mm. We're all, it's an all-American roughneck. Mm. And I'm like, what's a roughneck? Because that's usually an industry, an industry term for oil and gas guys. Mm. But roughnecks are just wild, uncouth motherfuckers. Mm. <laughs> They're just wild dudes. And I was like, pretty much explaining every hardworking motherfucker on a, on a blue collar job site. Mm -hmm. But then it goes back, like you said, they didn't go to they didn't go to university. They might be white collar guys. Oh, just because you're a white collar guy doesn't mean you can't be a hardworking motherfucker. Mm. Doesn't mean that you don't put your heart and soul into something for the better of your family. Mm. So I was like, man, I got something here. Mm. I was like, but when I go to the store, there's nothing I can buy. Mm. I was like, this is what I want to do. So I thought about like the A, A, and a gun. Mm -hmm. That gun's the R. Why use a gun? Well, in America, we have the Second Amendment. Big believers with that. 95% of blue-collar guys believe that. They feel very strongly about it. And I was like, and it's kind of kind of edgy. <laughs> so I liked it. And I remember when Bob and I were designing it, it's like, I just want an A and A and a gun. And he's like, <laughs> like this? I'm like, no, that's dumb. Like this. And he's like... No, that's kind of dumb. And I'm like, that's what I want it to fucking look like, Bob. <laughs> so he did that. And then the other was the axe and sledge and the all-American and the American flag and the hexacon logo. That axe and sledge. I chose the axe and sledge because, bro, I swung an axe for eight to 10 hours a day. I swung a sledgehammer demo and shit for eight to 10 hours a day. Bro, that shit sucks. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, you, you talk about something that will make your fucking hands ache, and then you got to do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You gotta do it again the next day. You are not gonna fucking forget that sledgehammer or that axe. Mm. I was like, I'm gonna put it on there, the American flag, because that's who I am, and that was my demographic of people. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that a lot of people around the entire fucking world felt the same way as I do. So I did have that target demographic mm. of someone like myself and everybody mm. I was meeting, mm. and they all followed bodybuilding because they were like, "Oh, bro, you're a big guy." I was like, yeah, I used, I was a, for, I'm a former IFBB pro bodybuilder, this and that. They're like, oh, like Jay Cutler. And I'm like, you know who Jay Cutler is? And they're like, yeah, I mean, who doesn't? I'm like, yeah. oh boy. And then they name other bodybuilders. And this was on every site. Mm. And I'm like, oh boy, you guys kind of know who these people are too. Mm. Because most guys are just attracted to the industry because it's freaks, you know, yeah. manly guys, all this. It's a little gay sometimes, but, you know, wearing trunks and all that. Mm -hmm. They bust my balls. You wore the Speedo. I'm like, yeah, dude, I did. <laughs> But it was like they connected with it. And then mm. I saw that's where I was like, ooh, I see something. So that's how I started connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I hoped that it would become what it is today. Mm. And uh, I hoped to become popular. But I had visions of what I want to do when I get older. And I still want to achieve to this day and future. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I, I've had a goal of it. And I never thought it would be achieved this quickly. Mm. That's kind of why I sit back some days and I'm like, man, I dreamed this shit mm -hmm. and it's all starting to happen. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm in for a fucking wild yeah. ride because I'm so young and I want more. Mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, you know, we're talking about business and my mentality. I'm a little bit different. I'm a risk taker. I'll mm -hmm. always be a risk taker. I put all the fucking chips on the table for ax and sledge. You know, that's why the logo came. We wanted to keep it synonymous, but I want... Put our dicks on a chopping block and said, all right, all this money and all this shit we just did with this, let's see if it works. Because mm. it's not cheap to start a supplement company. So we were like, let's do it. And uh, 
but other people there, they might not have that in them or they might, you know, like your dad and all the guys you grew up with mm. that work and take pride in being a carpenter or mm. an electrician, mm-hmm. bro, it takes every motherfucker here to make this world turn. Mm. It don't turn without those people. Mm. Like I said, I pull the good from every person, the electrician that's coming to my house to put in the spotlights so that we have nice floodlights for the summertime with the kids and the guy that's going to come and build the pool, mm. the dude that's going to come help finish my basement with me. Bro, if those people didn't exist or I didn't know them, or they weren't who they were, the world wouldn't turn the same. Mm-hmm. So it takes everybody to make sure this works. And I think that it's important to make sure those people feel good about what they do as well. Mm. There's always going to be shit bags, but you know, I'm going to make sure that the people that are, that are good, they feel the good from me too. Mm. Everybody's got their thing, right? Oh, man. Everybody. And, uh, and I think that, you know, blue collar guys... Uh, they're a little rough around the edges at times, but I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, I made that I, I put them uh, there. That's my mentality. That's why, you know, bond with a lot of them, mm. a little foul mouthed, but it's, it's okay. It's good. But uh, no. Yeah. I love Man, it. There's, there's, there's so many things that I think people are going to take from this podcast uh, and apply to their lives. I mean, so many, so many, <laughs> but I think, you know, th- there's a, there's a couple of things that, you know, I, I, I want the listeners and the viewers to kind of take away from this because it ties into a lot of the content that we do, uh, produce a lot of the first one is do what makes you happy. Oh yeah. You know, and if you're, if you're the sort of person that, you know, you're, you, you like being comfortable and, you like working a blue collar job and that's what makes you happy and that's what pays the bills and you know, that's what provides for your family. Fucking do it. Oh yeah. Do it with passion. Love. Because you fit it's all right. Guys know this that are in blue collar. Yeah. They're really good at their job. They're this guy that does the electric electrical work for Uh us. No. Well, he was at Mike's house. Yeah. Pat's house. Yeah. He's at my house. He's going to go to Bob's house. And then when someone asks me what they, if they, they need something like, Hey, do you know this type of guy? I'm like, Oh yeah. Call fucking Ryan. He's good. Yeah. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, man, like yeah. it impacts mm-hmm. and it can cascade. And it's all because he's a good dude that does phenomenal work. Absolutely. Takes pride in what he does. Of course. Um, he's uh, happy I, doing it. Yeah. That's the thing, mm-hmm. especially, you know, this being a landscaper and putting up fences is when you've actually finished and stand back and look at a job, there's no better, like, there is no better feeling than finishing a paving job, standing oh, back man. and looking at a clean paving job. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, all right, you know, Getting Jeff, nostalgic like, now. like I was telling you, the guy, Jeff, that yeah. guy I worked with. Yeah. Dumb as a rock. Mm. And like, uh, we drive by like a fence mm. or we go somewhere and he's like, Hey, I built that like that. I'm yeah. like, you did build that like that, huh, Jeff? And he's like, it's nice, huh? I'm like, really good job. Taking pride in his work, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the other thing to take away from it is if, if you're not happy doing what you're doing, you know, Seth is a, a, a prime example of all of these fears that you have that are preventing you from pursuing, not even pursuing, because a lot of people don't even know what they're passionate about, but trying different things, yeah. the fear of failure, the self-doubt, the fear of other people's opinions, they're all just fucking illusions. They're not real. They're not. They're really in your own mind. So if you're not happy doing what you're doing, if you're not passionate doing what you're doing, don't be afraid to go out there and explore a little bit. No, you got to, you and it goes, to. it goes into, like we were saying with everything, including relationships. Yeah. I have a woman that she takes care of two kids that aren't hers. Mm. People that are step parents, anything like that out there, like 
you might have a hard time personally, but how you affect those kids' life is impactful beyond your wildest belief. Mm -hmm. I have, I found a phenomenal person for about a year and a half. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I, uh, and I knew, but I knew that I wanted to find something great. Yeah. And then at the, at the most unexpected time, it happened. It happens. As and it, it often does, right? And that's it. So, but it's also that time that I had to become a little vulnerable mm -hmm. and open up and say, all right, again, goes mm -hmm. back to taking a chance, being a little fearful and being vulnerable and opening mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes when you do that, you get shit on. And sometimes when you do it, you, it, it turns out to be great. But if you never do that, you won't know. Yeah. And it takes... It, it, yeah. Well, it takes, it takes, it takes awareness as well. It oh, takes, yeah. it takes, you mentioned vulnerability, but it takes awareness in the first, the first step, <laughs> right. To actually take a step back and go, you know what, am I happy with what I'm doing as a career? Am I happy with my relationship? Am I happy with, you know, everything, every part of my life? And if I'm not being aware of that and you know, perhaps being a little bit vulnerable and taking some risks and, and, you know, seeing what you can do with it. Oh yeah. I was a little bit of a shallow fuck too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the joke between my fiance and I, uh, like, uh, she's much younger than I am. Yeah. Never would. I, I dated girls who were older than me that were around my age that were younger. And I just, I was like, I'm not going to settle. Yeah. It's like, and it's yeah. nothing on them. Like, if you don't like me, fuck me then. Like, fuck it. Like, I'm not, I'm not no peach to live with. You know, I'm a little bit of an asshole. Mm. Uh, but it was like, if there's something wrong with me, mm. like that you just don't like, it's not that it's horrible or the life ending. It might yeah, just not be something it's a personal you like. Thing. Yeah. Like, just be like, everything was great. Yeah. Talking to you, the coffee, the dinner, yeah. the sex, whatever. It was great. Yeah. I just don't like you. Yeah. We'll see ya. Right. That was like the greatest thing you could have told me. Of course. So, but with her, like, uh, I went on this date, young girl. I was like, I don't know when I'm going to get out of it. She's really fucking hot. She seems like a really nice person. Let's go. So I went on Bob encouraged. He's like, Hey dude, he's like, I think you should like, cause like, uh, nothing's really worked. So what's the worst thing that can fucking happen? I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. We go out and it was like, I always said like, I'm not going to date a girl that doesn't drink coffee. That's kind of a shallow move. Like, what happens if she's a phenomenal person? But the thing is, like, fuck you, no. The joke was because, like, in the morning, my shit is my coffee. Like, yeah. I like waking up in the morning, yeah. having a fresh cup. If we go on vacation or have Sunday morning, I want you to have a morning drink that we enjoy. Yeah. So that was the joke. Yeah. So, like... At like the first date we went out, you know, nervous, low income, a little, 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 like, I don't know what to do, what to do. So I was just being myself and she was crazy quiet. I was like, uh, do you drink coffee? And she's like, oh, I love coffee. And I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Fuck, you're hot and you like coffee. I'm like, here we go. Where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> but it was those things that like, yeah. I just knew what I wanted. Yeah. And then it turns out that this person was... You know, there was times we had our rough spots of like feeling each other out and not knowing anything. Mm. But um, you know, it turned out to be this incredible relationship that we have. Mm. Like, I mean, uh, everything happens for a reason. And even though we got about 10 years between us, yeah, she is, uh, yeah, 
I mean, it, my mom really likes her. Mm. It takes a lot. <laughs> like, Especially an Italian mother, right? No. <laughs> so she's not Italian. She's, oh. she said, my dad is. My yeah. mom is, uh, she said, like her, like my dad's mom yeah, yeah. did not like my mom at yeah, first. Yeah. But she said she's Italian by injection. So, <laughs> a little fucked up there. Yeah. But, but the thing was, like, uh, because uh, we grew up, we're a very tight-knit family. Yeah. And, uh, but no, my mom... Uh, absolutely adores her. Yeah, and that's it makes me feel like gold. But uh, yeah, it's it's all that shit that you just. Uh, it's the good. It's the bad. You got to work through things. But I, I fortunately, everything's really going well, and that's mm. again why. What do I got to be negative about? Absolutely. My kids are in the best spot they've ever been. Companies are doing well. Mm. Traveling around the world. We're meeting great people. Mm. Oh, it's gonna be a hard time beating me now. Beautiful. I love it, dude. Mm. Feels really good. Seth, thank you so much, man. This has been this has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and I know that uh, the listeners, the viewers, are going to take so much from it and carry uh, so much with them for so long from it. So, thank you very much for your time. Oh. For, for for those of you, for, for the listeners and viewers who perhaps don't follow you, give yourself a little bit of a plug. Where's the best? Where's the best place to? To follow Seth, uh, Instagram yep. at Seth Ferrosi, mm -hmm. uh, YouTube mm -hmm. Seth Ferrosi, and uh, Axe and Sledge uh, at Axe and Sledge on um, uh, Instagram. Instagram. That's the, I mean, right there. That's where we have all my stuff. And then on Axe and Sledge, they have every you know everybody will videotape me and we'll throw up a lot of stuff. So we try and separate the content so that way there's a little bit of everything everywhere you go. So you're always entertained. It's not the same monotonous shit on every site. Yeah. Um, but that's the best way to follow us on everything we got going on. YouTube is going to become something that we uh, we start pushing a lot harder because mm -hmm. uh, I, I love being on this podcast because you're not afraid to ask me those questions. Of course. Those are things that not everybody is willing to ask mm -hmm. because they know it's going to be a little hairy of a subject. Mm. It's going to be a little fucked up. There's going to be some emotion. You know, I felt I felt some heat here, mm. and I love that because it gets you it gets you out of a zone where you say the same monotonous shit over and over. And yeah. uh, oh, it felt good. It's where, is, it's where the real value comes in, yeah, isn't it? I love it, man. Well, guys, make sure you uh, you follow Seth on on Instagram. Definitely, make sure you subscribe to his YouTube channel. Make sure you support his companies as well, All American Roughneck. Uh, you know, grab a T-shirt, grab a hat. Uh, you know, support the uh, support the brand, and obviously Axe and Sledge, uh, which is available in Australia through Massive Joe's and a bunch of other retailers as well. Make sure you get behind the brand and and support this man and and what he's doing and what he stands for, because I know there's a bunch of you who have connected uh, with what uh, with what he's delivered to you through this podcast. Big Neve, we've been getting a lot of good traction. People who have. Uh, who have been listening to the podcast, taking value, posting in their Instagram stories, right? We have been, yeah. So if you uh, have liked this, uh, screenshot it, post in your IG story, tag yeah. all three of us. Yep. Um, we'll share it. Absolutely. Tell someone who you think might enjoy it. Absolutely. We, uh, You guys know, man, this podcast is 100% free. This is all free content where, you know, we have the pleasure of bringing guests on like Seth. And the one thing that we do ask is if you do listen and you do take value, we ask a couple of things actually. We're getting a little bit greedy. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing we ask is that you tell a friend, a friend, a family member, someone, tell someone in person who you think is going to get some value as well. And the second thing is take a screenshot of your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, whatever you're listening to, Stitcher, 
and uh, and post it in your Instagram story. Tag myself, Joseph Mansell. Tag Neve, Neve Movement. Tag Seth, Seth Ferrosi. And uh, and we like to repost those as well. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are getting value. Seth, thank you once again, man. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the value. Neve, my sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> thank you as well. We hope you guys have enjoyed this episode 13 of The Massive Joe Show. Until next time, where we coming to him from, Neve? Massivejoes.com. Stay massive. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Massive Joe's Show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Massive Joe's Show, ensure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, we're coming to you from MassiveJoes.com. Stay massive.